Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Dr. Laura Mack. Dr. Mack is a general dentist and certified life coach. She has owned a thriving, successful practice for 13 years and continues to practice dentistry three days a week. As the leadership coach for busy dentists, Dr. Mock teaches practice owners to step into their leadership role with intention and a better understanding of human behavior. Once her clients understand human feelings and behavior, they have the tools to lead so much more effectively. Dr. Mock also has a popular podcast called Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, where she discusses issues dentists encounter that commonly cause frustration, teaching listeners how to reframe things to feel better about their careers, their practices, and their lives. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Dr. Laura Mock. Laura, I'm so excited to invite you on the show today. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. I know we've had a couple of struggles trying to coordinate our schedules, but finally we're together and I can't wait to hear more about your story. So without any further ado, if you'd like to just jump right in and let our listeners know exactly how you got into dentistry. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And thank you for holding this podcast and hosting it. I know because I have my own podcast, there's an expense, there's time commitment, and then there's calendaring, <laughs> which we experience. It's like, well, when can you do it? Well, when can you do it? You know, and you back and forth. And for every episode, there's all this work that you do, but you're doing it because you believe in what you're doing. And I appreciate it because as a woman and as someone who has experienced some of that bias that we've talked about, this is important and we can help the next generation to be their best dentists and live their best lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you get into dentistry? Was it as a child? Well, no, because as a child, I was raised that since I was a woman, I was supposed to stay home and have babies because of the church that we went to. This was the role. In fact, I started learning songs when I was as young as 18 months old. You know, when I grow up, I want to be a mother. <laughs> like, you know, like this is a very big deal for the culture because I was raised as a Mormon and this is a big deal. Mormons don't like societal change. They want to, and I say they, because I'm a former Mormon now, but they really value how things used to be. And so where it's 1950s Americana, you know, even though I was born in 1975 and raised in the eighties and nineties, I was told in church and at home over and over again, you're a woman. So your greatest glory will be your children and don't work because that's wrong. And in fact, so this is fast forwarding a little bit, but by the time I got accepted into dental school, I was a mother of two small children. And when I, I know, right. Wow. When I got accepted, my grandma wrote me a letter very sincerely and, and out of all the love that she knew the best way to show me was, she said, 
I know you've been accepted into dental school and we all agree you're so smart, but you do not have to do this and you will be blessed if you give it up. Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? Well, you know, I just appreciate that she loved me the best way she knew how, but I'm so glad too that I listened to my inner voice. And so when I'm talking to women who are thinking about their lives, I'm like, what do you want? What do you dream about? Because you can do it, whatever it is, you can do it. But anyway, so as a child, I didn't really have any expectations for a career. And the way I got into dentistry was that I needed a job and I got hired by a dentist and he let me, you know, sit in as an assistant. And I was so amazed. It was a class two prep. And I was like, wow. I know. I know. It's so awesome when you get, you know, it was immediate for me too. When I walked in the door, I went, oh my God, this is awesome. Yes. Yes. And I already knew I loved science and I already knew I loved people and I already knew I had hand skills. So I was like, I want to do this. How old were you? I was 21. Wow. Yeah. And, but then I got married. (laughs) And so, and at that time I was still a believing practicing Mormon. So I was like, well, it would have been nice to be a dentist, but now I'm going to focus on my real role. And so that's how I ended up with a couple of children before I applied to dental school. So finally, um, because my husband at the time was also a student and I had a part-time job as a dental assistant and I was sitting with the dentist doing what dental assistants do And I just had this really strong epiphany. I looked at him and I said, I know I can do what he's doing. I know it. And so I went home and I had had already been going to the community college a couple of classes at a time. And I changed everything to math and science. And I called my sister who was a high school student. And I said, can you be my babysitter in the evenings and on Saturday so I can take math and science so I can go to dental school? And she said, yes. And um, the rest is history. So let's go back. Hold on. Let's rewind a little bit because you're leaving out parts of the story, I think, at least things that I want to know. So what did your husband say? Now, wait a minute. So how long did it take you to get your undergrad degree? And then did you tell anybody that you were applying? Did your husband know that you were applying? Did your parents know that you were applying? My husband was a believing member like me, a believing Mormon but he had converted as an adult. So he did not have the same cultural expectations. And um, this is a man that I'm not married to anymore, but I give him so much credit because he said, I've been telling you, you should go to dental school, do it. Oh, awesome. Yep. And um, some of my, like the people in my congregation it was just, I think for them, it was a little bit just more confusing than anything. Cause I'd be like, I'm going to go to dental school. And they'd go, Oh, are you going to be a dental hygienist? Like, no. Oh, dental assistant. No, I'm going to be a dentist. <laughs> and then I feel like they maybe were just patting me on the head and going, well, we'll just see how that goes, you know? And my parents, well, see, it's, I was raised in this very low income family because my dad had undiagnosed liver disease for most of the time I was growing up. And so he couldn't hold a job. And so even though he was supposed to be, and I'm saying that with bunny quotes, the provider in the family, my mom would usually work in a retail job 
And then she would go get her plasma sold and that's what she would use to feed the family. So when my mom saw me stepping up as a way to be able to provide for myself, even though religiously she's like, oh, this is a little questionable. She was so proud that I wouldn't have to do that for me and my children. So I did get some parental support there. Yeah. Excellent. So tell us how the process went. You applied, you got in right away. I'm assuming. I did. I didn't have a bachelor's degree. You did not have a bachelor's degree? No, all I had was straight A's from the time that I decided I wanted to go to dental school. There was nothing but A's and A pluses because you could not stop me. Wow. That's awesome. So let's go back a little bit. Were you always confident as a student when you were younger and growing up? Yeah, I was one of those annoying friends who was just really good at um, multiple choice tests. Yeah. (laughs) God, I envy that. And so I would just sit in class and I'd go, what is the teacher going to ask me on this test? And everyone else, like, especially in dental school, because I had these kids that I had to hurry home to, they were texting their friends, they were sleeping in the back and they had all the time in the world. But I was like, this is my time to learn this material. And that was pre-dental and during dental school. Wow. That's awesome. What a great story. Really, seriously, what a great story. So you overcame, that sounds like a huge obstacle, right? You overcame that obstacle of going, you know, getting your, well, not getting your degree, but getting the coursework you needed to get into dental school. You go to four years of dental school. So walk us through what's happened after that. So by the time I graduated from dental school, I had three children because I had a third my sophomore year who is now Max. Um, He's my transgender son. He was born Mimi, but he um, has come out as transgender. So he's 16 now, but he was like three um, when I graduated. And the week before I graduated, my husband at the time was deployed to um, Iraq. He went to Iraq first, then Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's funny because I didn't think to myself, I can't do anything until I come home, until he comes home. I thought to myself, I'm behind the curve. I have three children. Let's buy a practice. <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> you mean right out of dental school? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, by the time it closed, it was nine months after I graduated, but yeah. You hot ticket. So you never worked for anybody out of dental school? Not really, but I was like, you know, I've been a dental assistant. I know how this works which was very naive of me, but that's what Oh, I I'm so glad you said that because I had been in a dental office since I was 14. When I started my practice, it didn't go so well at the beginning. So I'm curious about that. You just find that out as you go, that there's more that, that you need to learn, but that's just a part of your life. If you're growing and learning, you're getting better at it. And if you were going to be perfect at it before you jumped in, then you'd have to wait your whole life. Oh my gosh, no true words have ever been said. You know, that fear factor is what holds people back constantly. You know, I didn't know how to do the podcast. Did you know how to do a podcast? No, I had to like figure out iMovie and Zoom. I didn't want to do that stuff, but I wanted to have a podcast. There you go. There you go. So for anyone that's out there listening in our audience, that's the key. You do not have to wait until you're, you're ready. Just jump in because you're going to learn it along the way for sure. You are. You're smart enough to be a dentist. You can definitely do private practice. Absolutely. And there's smart people you can hire along the way. 
to help you out. There you go. There you go. So are you still practicing today? Yes, I practice. I have the same dental practice that I've owned this whole time. I've had it for 13 years now. Thank you. And I have an associate who works four days a week and I work three days a week. And then the other two days a week, I am a leadership coach for other female dentists who own practices. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, here's the thing. We get culturally conditioned as women to make everybody around us happy. And (laughs) you buy a practice and you're like, I think what I need to do here is just make everybody happy and then I'll be successful. And, you know, you're in dental school and you think my journey will end when I buy my practice. And then you're in and it's five years in and you're exhausted and your children need you to take them to soccer and your employees aren't doing what you ask because you're afraid to tell them to correct them, right? Or to give them nice specific information. So what I've done is I've taken all that cultural crap that I was raised in and I've been like, okay, I see what's happening here. We can take that away and give women the keys that they need to actually lead their practices and go in the way that they wanna go. And so I just, um, I have my podcast, which is basically my way of showing these women that I can help them. And then we do coaching sessions where we go through like, for example, I was talking today to someone who wants to um, correct her office manager. And we went step-by-step on how she's going to do that in a way that the office manager walks away from the meeting feeling proud and appreciated instead of defensive. So that's an example of what we do. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. That's really, what a great, what a great, not only venue that you're sharing that in, but what a great service that you're providing for other women. Because quite honestly, like you and I shared earlier, you know, confidence is a huge issue, especially for younger practitioners. And, and it takes a long time for us to build that skill set that provides the confidence for us to take a leadership role and to not only that, but to be skilled enough that we feel confident in our abilities. So, you know, good for you that you're providing that service to everyone, because I think that's amazing. Do you mind if I make a comment about what you just said? No, not at all. Go. There are implicit messages being sent to women especially like on social media, but maybe in academics too, that, well, you're going to be too busy to own a practice. You should work for somebody else, or it's too hard. There's too much debt. You just need to find your place and do it. And I'm just here to say, that's what they're thinking. Okay. But you got your ass into dental school. You made it through. You're here. If you want to own a practice, you can. You can totally do it. Don't let those naysayers scare you. Absolutely, positively. And if my students that I shared with you early on for the reason for this podcast ever heard you say that they would be floored because quite honestly, that's what they believe as well. And I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know where they're seeing it. But obviously, you've just you've just told me it's social media, it's it's social norms that are still prevalent today, which, you know, okay, so this industry, although it's been around for a very long time, has never been female dominated ever, which, you know, I don't think it needs to be dominated by one sex or another. But 
quite honestly, the number of women that are coming into the, the coffers now and in dental schools all over the country are female. And in fact, in other countries, it's a predominantly female profession. So I find it really, really interesting. I think it's the corner on the market. Nobody wants to lose their piece of the land. I agree. I think it has to do with ownership and you get onto these big social media groups and people are like, it's just too hard. It's just too expensive. Insurance is terrible. Don't even try. And then if that's all you know, then you assume that they're correct. Right. So that's another good comment to pass along to the audience, which is by all means, do your research. What do you think evidence-based industry is about? Do your research. Don't let somebody else tell you how you need to be. You know, there's plenty of women that are successful out there. Plenty of women that are really kicking it out of the park. Oh, they are. They are doing it and they're making good money. And yeah, they had to take out a loan to do it because that's dentistry. That's part of being a dentist. When you are in business, you have to borrow some money to make money. And I don't know anyone who doesn't go into debt to do it, but debt isn't like, I mean, work to get out of it, but it's not like the worst thing in the world. And you can make a very good living as a dental practice owner, if you're willing to put in the work and if you're willing to have the right attitude. Absolutely. And there's no sky's the limit. You know, it's all up to you and what you put in is what you get out and you don't have to settle. That's the bottom line. You don't have to settle for what anybody else wants. If you know in your heart that you can do this, just like you, you realized that day in that chair, you know, that to me sounds like an aha moment, right? That was your aha moment in your life that, that was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. I know I can do this. That's what everybody needs to get to, I think, the women that want to excel and want to get to the next level. You just have to have your aha moment, and it comes in many different ways. Yeah, and if you're struggling to get to the aha moment, you should listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. What's the best single piece of advice that somebody has given you in your, your career? You know, somebody told me that I should surround myself with people who know things that I don't know. You know, for example, getting a very good accountant who really cares about saving you money and not just being the IRS's agent and getting yourself a consultant who understands the metrics to look at and um, hiring excellent people who know how to treat your patients and things like that. Like, don't be mediocre in your relationships, expect greatness. Absolutely. I will share with you that um, as soon as I started my practice, I said, I've got to hire a coach because I know with the amount of debt that I have, I have no room, no wiggle room to fail. And so I said, I'm hiring a, a consultant. So I set this practice up the right way and, you know, quite honestly, I was very fortunate that I hired a very good consultant and my practice paid off, was paid off in, in less than 10 years. So, you know, the million dollars of, of $500,000 from my um, starting the practice from scratch and $500,000 from dental school, that t less than 10 years and it was paid off, which is such a great thing. Yeah, I would say 
a very good coach is worth his or her weight in gold. Absolutely. I remember the first time I hired a coach, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. But then I made it back in like three months. Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't know what they know. And you need to learn those things, right? And only the only way, we talked about this earlier, the only way you're going to learn is by doing. Yes. Yeah. And they know things. You could learn it the hard, slow way, or you could pay for their expertise and move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who do you think has made the biggest impact in your life? Probably my life coach teacher, Brooke Castillo. She just really helped me see what's real and what's made up in my mind. Because <laughs> we tell ourselves these truths, and I'm using bunny quotes again. We process all this data, right? We're seeing things, we're smelling things, we're hearing things, and our brain's got a big job to do in interpreting it. And so it jumps to conclusions really fast. And if you can, if you can remove those conclusions and be open-minded, all of a sudden there's so many more possibilities than you thought. And that's how I was able to become a coach in addition to being a dentist. That's awesome. I call them Joe and Schmo. Joe, Schmo. They're always bantering, right? And I know in, in you know, the healthy movement, they call it the monkey mind. You know, meditation circles, they call it the monkey mind. And, and quite honestly, it, that's exactly what it is. It's like a monkey jumping from tree to tree to tree to tree to tree. And Joe and Schmo have, have arguments all the time about who's right. And if you don't shut that off, oh my gosh, you, you just you, you just have to learn how to do that because it, it drives us all crazy. You have to, and you have to remember that your brain is an organ that was developed by evolution with a purpose. And that's to keep you alive in an environment that we don't live in anymore. That's right. So it's going to misfire and it's not, its goal is not to make you happy. <laughs> so if you understand that, you understand how a brain works, you have so much more possibilities open to you. Oh my gosh, that's great insight. Thank you so much. I feel so aligned with what you're doing because I couldn't be happier that somebody is out there coaching women to that extent, because quite honestly, it's, it's really nice to see that somebody's paying attention to us as a cohort of dentistry and saying, okay, you can do all these things and here's why you can do them. You know, Joe and Schmo don't have to talk to you like that. You just need to really figure out how to do it. And so I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you. Of course. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I, the day I gave my money to my life coach training, I felt at least as invigorated as the day I found out I was accepted into dental school. It was like, I'm going to change people. I'm going to help. <laughs> so who in dentistry inspires you today? Oh, gosh. Oh, there's so many. I know. But obviously, we connect with different people, right? You know, who might inspire me might not be inspiring to you. But there's so many talented men and women out there. And I, I don't necessarily think it's, it's all the women that inspire me, but, you know, I think that it's a great question because, you know, there's some great people out there that might inspire somebody else. Okay. All right. I'm going to say to all, to all of you out there, I admire all of you. So I really, really, really appreciate Uchi Odiatu. Oh uh, yeah. 
because he just is such a champion for our health, our physical health. And we need that really bad. We do. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yes. And especially because our modern diet is so bad for our bodies and then our career is bad for our bodies too. So taking some um, evidence from Uchi and just taking, being a little bit inspired to take better care of yourself, it helps you be a better person and take better care of your patients. Absolutely. Positively agree with you. Uh, the other was a hygienist, actually. So I think we underappreciate our hygienists. I am so grateful for the hygienists who work for me and the hygienists who lead the industry, especially when it comes to the connection between um, our gums and like our hearts and our brains and stuff like that. Like Katrina Sanders. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. She, she blows me away constantly. And how come she's so inspiring and fun to listen to at the same time? She's amazing. Um, she, she just has that, that personality type that just draws you into her story. She's amazing, but she's brilliant at the same time. So she blows me away. Yeah. So there you have it. Awesome. Awesome. I, well, the second, both of them, I agree with you wholeheartedly, both are wonderful people. Yeah. Tell me um, something that somebody that our audience would be surprised to know about you. I am a trained vocalist and I have a daughter who is an aspiring opera singer and if you dig deep enough on YouTube there is a duet that we sang together um, a Mozart duet and I blew my own mind <gasps> oh isn't that amazing when I hear people sing with that much passion it makes me think of angels in heaven I don't you know not that I related to that, but that's how I feel when I, it's so uplifting. And so it just makes every cell in our body just go, oh, oh yeah. And I tell you, like, there's nothing like making music with your own child and she's so good. And then because she's my daughter, we blend and it was just, it was amazing. Oh, well, I, I think I might have to go look for that. <laughs> I really do. I think I might have to go look for that. Um, in fact, I think it would be a really good idea if you put it up on your Facebook page so people could see it. Just saying. I will send it to you. It, it was on Facebook, but you know, you can't see everything everybody puts on there. No, I know. I know. So what's your favorite way to manage stress? Because obviously we all have stress in our lives. COVID-19 has gone on way longer than any, any single one of us expected. When somebody started talking about June of 2021, I'm like, oh God, really? You know, I, I just, it, this was probably back in June. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can deal with all of this until June of 2021. I mean, seriously, I just don't know. But, you know, obviously we have to learn how to manage with the stress and, and it is, has been stressful. It's going to go back with uh, the pending twindemic is what they're calling it now. So how do you deal with stress? How are you dealing with all the stress of, as of late? So I like to look at my thoughts since thoughts are what create stress. And that means doing, um, you might call it meditation or you might call it a thought download where you just sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and you just write what you've been thinking. Because I will guarantee you that if you go back and you look at what you wrote, most of the things you put down are assumptions. They are not facts. 
Now, that is a very interesting exercise. Thank you for that. And there, these assumptions are what are creating whatever we're feeling. So if we're feeling something that we don't want to feel like stress, then we can use a thought download to identify what we're thinking or believing that might not be very helpful. Wow, that's amazing. That's a great, um, I think everybody should be doing that then on a regular basis, especially now. Thank you for that. That's great. Do you have a personal motto or a mantra that you live by? I don't think so. At my practice, our motto is we listen because I feel like that's the one thing that is missing in a lot of dental practices. And if you just start with listening, then there's trust and the patients will take your advice. At my, my own, I don't know. No, I really don't have a motto. But that's a, that, that would be a great one. I mean, that's your value system and that's what you, you believe in. So I think that's a great model. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. I want to go back just for a second because, you know, I, I loved what you just said with, you know, downloading your thoughts. I've always felt like thoughts are things and, you know, they come with an energy and they do impact us. So more negative thoughts impact us more negatively. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about like the energy part of it? You know, is that something that you're aware of? Does, have you studied that at all? And, and the impact that our thoughts have on our physical body? Well, yes, I have actually, because this is what I do as a life coach. I help my clients see what they're thinking and it's a cascade effect. So there's your thoughts and that leads to your emotions which is a physical signal sent from evolution to tell you how to behave. Okay, so it's a misguided system because humanity has screwed with our environment. But if you think about like my dog, okay? My dog comes into the room every time I release the pressure on the Instapot and all of a sudden you can smell the beef that was cooking in there. She smells, she says, that is food in her mind, except for in her non-language way, her doggy language. And then she is desirous of having food. And so um, evolution says, go into the kitchen and see if you can get some, mm -hmm. okay? So it's the same thing with humans. We process what we've seen, we interpret it, and that creates an emotion inside us. And the emotion is a physical signal. So we're not used to paying attention to those anymore because we're so busy and we're scrolling and we're, we're busy and we're making appointments and whatever, but every emotion we have is a physical signal telling us to do something or not to do something. The more connected we are to that, the more we're aware of our thoughts, the better our life will be. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. I'm glad we went back to that. I'm really glad. Thank you very much. That's a really good explanation. I have always really believed that thoughts are things and, you know, what you think impacts what you believe and what you believe impacts your future and the choices you make today doesn't matter, good or bad, create your tomorrow. So what are you going to create and how are you going to create it? Because that's what we should be thinking about because the choices are clear once you know where you're going, you know, it's like, a rudderless ship when you don't know where you're going you just go all over the place right then you're just reacting and you're you're just letting your evolutionary monkey brain tell you what to do and i will caution each of us 
including myself, that a lot of times we get into thought habits. And so our, our mind is used to thinking, well, this is crappy. You know, well, I don't know if I can deal with this pandemic until June of 2021. This sucks, you know, or whatever it is that we're thinking over and over and over again. And it's creating our reality and we don't even know it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to verbalize that. How about a guilty pleasure or secret dream? Do you have either or both? Well, let's see. I really like to travel and I'm leaving for Mexico on Thanksgiving day. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. Exactly. Yeah. I've got my N95 mask and my hypochlorous acid in the little sprayer ready. Excellent. Good for you. Good for you. You know, I do miss traveling dearly. And I had to go to Louisiana to meet my sister who um, was not feeling well. And and we drove back up to Boston. So getting on that flight in the middle of all of this was a little bit tough for me because I didn't really want to, you know, obviously get sick. I didn't. I had plenty of protection, had my mask with me, never took it off. But it's I miss it. I miss seeing things. I miss seeing people. I miss hugging people. I think that, you know, more and more that disconnection of of affection, that disconnection of people is affecting us. And, you know, unfortunately, there's so many people that can't control their thoughts or can't control, you know, chemically what's going on in them that, you know, this increase in suicides has been just traumatic and and so sad because, uh, you know, I think that that feeling of being so disconnected, I guess is the only word I can really think about is really impacting all of us. I agree. I think, you know, we're, we are tribe or pack animals and we need our pack and that's, and that's put in there by evolution too, that we, um, we feel good when we know we're a part of our tribe. Yeah, I totally agree with you. My granddaughter is coming next week. My daughter's having a C-section on Monday And I've been quarantining for two and a half weeks because I don't want to go anywhere. I don't, you know, uh, she has a two-year-old son as well. And so, you know, it'll be Mimi time and I'll be able to go and spend um, a short leave with them to support her as she kind of recovers from all of this. But I am so looking forward to it. And I willingly gave up seeing anybody or doing anything for this time because it's more important for me to be with my family and more important for me to be able to not wear a mask with my grandson and not not be able to hug him and be with him and do all those things. And I think we do make those sacrifices, at least at this point now, because we do need those people in our life. We can't do that with our coworkers anymore. We can't do that with you know, our patients anymore, which, you know, obviously when you, you have had a practice for 10, 15 years, you know, they're like family, you know, it's, it's like a baby. You, you, you watch it grow up and, you know, you're seeing the kids, kids now, and it's really impactful on us as human beings and to not be able to do that. And for them not to see our faces and connect with us, is going to be troubling for them as well. I think it's tough. I mean, between my loops and my mask and my face shield, yep, we can't even look at each other in the eye anymore. And so I always say, you know, I'm still Dr. Laura underneath here. And um, even though you can't see me very well, you know, we can still talk and all that stuff, but it makes it hard to have like important treatment plan conversations. 
Well, and that connection, right? Because they don't feel that connection because seeing you smile, seeing your eyes smile, you know, that's impactful. You know, a hand on their arm when something is unsettling, that's impactful. But not being able to do that because, you know, we're, we're, we're concerned about, you know, any kind of infection or any kind of contact. It's hard. It's really hard. I'm really excited for you to be able to see your grandkids though and like be with them. That'll be a really interesting study in emotions while you're there. Well, I I actually see him almost every week. And so I do, you know, I I see my grandson, obviously. I can't see my granddaughter yet because she's still in the oven, but um, I do see my grandson and take care of him every week. And I I can't wait. It's my, my favorite day of the week now because, you know, when I went to dental school, I, my daughter was five and her first day at kindergarten was my first day of dental school. Wow. Yeah. So for me, you know, she doesn't remember what it was like for me, you know, being at home and, and bringing her up when she was young. All she remembers is mommy's always in school. Mommy's always studying. And, you know, it was hard, you know, the big guilt, you know, I'm sure you understand completely what I'm talking about, but in hindsight, you know, now 20 something years later, 25 years later, I look at my daughter and she's so well adjusted. She's so disciplined. She, I never had a problem with her, you know, all through school because she, she, you know, she learned vicariously how to study through her mom and watching her mom always studying. So there was a lot of benefits to that. And I, you know, but I think at this point in my, my career, I feel like I missed so much because I was so heavily focused on my career as she was growing up that I really want to spend as much time with my grandkids when they're little as I possibly can. Cause I want that closeness and relationship with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so important to me. So when you think back to study starting out and, you know, struggling maybe with student loan debt or the debt of the practice, you know, what practice model worked for you and how did you take your team through transitioning to you as the new practice owner? At first, when I bought the practice, I thought it was my job to just make sure everybody else was happy. And that included the seller who worked for me for five years and all of his patients and the way they preferred that he do things. And then all the employees who were used to him and I was just like real sorry that I was the owner now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I hired a consultant company and they helped me see that I could have my own vision. And that was key for me to define who I serve and how I serve, who I am, that type of thing. And in addition to that, they taught me that um, I should value my time And that included taking time off and that taking time off helped me be more productive while I was there because I wasn't so tired all the time. So yeah, that those key things made all the difference for me. So again, you know, you're reiterating something we just chatted about, which is get a coach, you know, get a coach from the very beginning because we need that support. We don't, we don't know a hundred percent about everything. And if there's any question, you should have a, a coach. What piece of advice would you share with a young woman who's just starting her education in dental school? Anything? I will tell you something that someone told me, which was 
the most expensive thing is not to get the degree. Wow. Say that again. The most expensive thing is to not get the degree. Because when you have the degree, then you have the potential to earn as much as you decide you want to. Plus, you don't suffer from regret. You did it. You did it, right? Because I think that that's the one thing that women, you know, fast forward 40 years, look, they should never look back on their lives and have regret. If you want to do it, do it. Yes. And promise yourself, you're 18, 19, 20 years old, promise yourself that you will honor your past self by not criticizing her because she made the best choices she could with the information she had at the time. You make sure you back her up because soon your present self will be your past self and you're going to need to be backed up again. Very, very good advice. Very good advice. Thank you so much. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for being with us today. You have shared some unbelievable insights. And so if people want to find your podcast, tell them the name of it and share, you know, any kind of coaching information that you might want to share, because I think it's outstanding what you're doing. Thank you. I sure, I sure appreciate you having me on here. So my podcast is called Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. It's very obvious. <laughs> like yours. Great name. Yeah. Feeling Good, podcast for dentists. And you can find me on my website. It's the life coach for busy dentists.com. Or if you just Google Laura Mock, I'm sure I come up there pretty easily, or I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And for all of your listeners who are already leaders in dentistry, I do have a freebie they can download. It is a step-by-step guide for how to correct your employees in a way that helps them walk away from the correction, feeling appreciated. That is outstanding. So thank you for that. I have no doubt that our listeners are going to go grab that right away. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's on my website. So I think it says get get my free guide or get my free stuff or something like that. Excellent. Excellent. Laura, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait for us to meet in person someday because I'd love to give you a hug. All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.